the year before they were mm. training together. And then we had the Tokyo Olympics in 2021, and that was Booker and KD. Yeah. And they end up together. And then you also had Damian Lillard and Bam, who had a little bit of a connection. And now Dame's knocking down on, <laughs> knocking down on Miami's door. Welcome to the Basketball Forever podcast. This is where we talk about the things that we don't post. I'm head of editorial here, Nick Jung, for joining me as always, the founder, Alex Samsky. Mate, nice of you to join us. We could barely drag you away from your Steve Novak highlights this morning that you were oh. randomly getting stuck into. Because oh, I was trying to explain to everyone, I was trying to explain <laughs> to CG that, you know, we haven't seen, um, you know, you, you think about the three-point era that we live in now, right? And the way that the NBA has changed. But before even the Warriors were that team and, you know, before the Houston Rockets and everything and, you know, Dan Tony's offense and all the rest, before any of that, that Knicks team was just like just starting to unlock something that on the precipice of like the new era. And there were just a couple of games that stood out and I was trying to show him this one where like J.R. Smith and... Um, Steve Novak hit like, I don't know, 15 threes or something like that. Something <laughs> yeah. ridiculous. And Novak went on a tear of, he went like, I don't know, um, eight of 10 or seven of nine or something like that. And he was just a, a bench player. But he was like, he was Curry before Curry and before Corvar. And he was kind of the guy that everyone hailed as <laughs> the, the three point god. Yeah. I've sort of forgotten about Not him. that he was on the same level, but he had those. Um, vibes about him like that ability to catch fire and you haven't even you know that was the one you pulled up was the jr novak show and that was without even mentioning mellow yeah so that team by no means like one of the great teams but one of the more kind of fun teams you sort of forget that some of these guys all played yeah together um, and people forget yeah. as well um the 08 10 like nuggets as well like we've the the building blocks of that Knicks team were already there, laying the foundation with the Nuggets. Like you had in that it, that Nuggets team or era had Ty Lawson, who set a record for ten consecutive threes uh, in a game, and J.R. Smith. That, that was against the Timberwolves. Then J.R. Smith had uh, eleven threes against, I feel like the Sacramento Kings. Mm. I think Melo had a similar game too, and. Like people forget how monumental performances like that were in the in the pre three point era of the NBA. That's the thing; it really hit different, didn't it? If mm. you watch it now with the expectations of current day NBA and how three point obsessed it is, mm. it's good but not great. Mm. But back at you made this point at the time; it was outstanding. It was, blew your mind yeah. because you didn't normally see. Well, it was unprecedented. Completely. Yeah, these were records, right? Yeah, I, I think there was a time when Jr. hit like twenty four threes across two games. Yeah, it was something like that. It was ridiculous. And not to go on too much about this, you know, Steve Novak stuff, but I do have one more thing, mm. which is really funny. The Steve Novak effect. You might remember this, but he's like defensive numbers, the advanced stats. Um, there were some really good articles written about this at the time. Henry Abbott had one on um, ESPN around twenty thirteen about Novak's. Defensive numbers were more or less on par with what most of his teammates, and that one of the theories was that so he would be defending one of the lesser offensive mm. talented guys, probably the worst 
offensive player on the floor at that time. But Novak had such a reputation as being so slow um, mm. and just defensively incompetent that players' eyes would light up when they saw Novak was defending them. And then even if they're like, probably not the guy you want taking the shot, or even if they're a half-decent offensive player, the theory goes, and it's in this Henry Abbott piece, which is really fun read, was like, you know, their eyes light up and they might take a shot that they shouldn't, or they might force a one-on-one that they shouldn't, or throw the team out of the... Hmm, that's actually a good theory. Yeah. That's good theory. Yeah, so then there were, maybe not his entire career, but there were like stretches where it was like, his defensive numbers were like on par with everyone else, even Tyson Chandler for at one point. Wow. <laughs> so like, yeah, I don't know, just a fun bit of Steve Novak trivia. For, I don't know if that would like, that kind of uh, logic and reasoning would fly for a, a scouting report. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so but, what, what you really want is all your defenders to be, well, no, you want, thinking that you're, you want one guy to be so bad that mm. people just force garbage shots against them. Oh, I miss that era of NBA. I miss yeah. that whole, like even um, thinking back to how much, like we're obviously watching the World Cup now. Yeah. It, it's great. But um, I just feel like the Olympics and the World Cups back then were so much more incredible to watch too. Like that, yeah. it, more exciting, more star studded. Just, it had like the, it was the, you got the full kind of global all-star experience. And now, it, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I have no problem watching Austin Reeves tear it up. He's great, but it's not like <laughs> yeah, it's not like that. You know, Beijing '08 era. No, and I I remember the 2010 World Cup or World Champs as it was very, back then, very so very well. Off the heels of the Redeem team in '08, and people sort of saying, "Ah, oh, this isn't like, you know, this team's nowhere near as good." Still had Kevin Durant, Steph Curry for starters, who back then weren't. I mean, no, KD I was the MVP of the tournament. That, and, and it was his real coming out party. He was really breaking out. He was only yeah. like, you know, three years into his NBA career. Mm. Um, so at the time, it didn't. It sort of seemed like, oh, this is not close to the... But even the World Cup, which we know the US players don't care about as much as the Olympics, mm. even that in hindsight, back then, not too shabby. Well, I bought into in 2010, to, to think about how impactful KD was, I watched that World Cup. And I loved, I loved it. It was like the best off-season basketball, and and that's when I really respected how good KD was. I went and bought a pair of hyperdunks. <laughs> yeah. you remember those hyperdunks that he wore in 2010? I think he wore them in that World Cup campaign. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jordan, Jordan gave the chef kisses. It's that, that <laughs> yeah, was that was they were the they were so good. And I remember I went straight onto whatever website it was, Team USA, whatever, wherever I could buy kit, saw the Hyperdunks there, bought a pair. Yeah. So that was the KD effect back then. And you must have been keen because that's, you know, one month's wage for a young Sumsky. Uh, yeah. Back then that was a lot of money. But I, you know, I earned $75 a week, so that was a couple of weeks of savings. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Yeah. It was good. Yeah, what else are you spending your money on at that age? Back, that's actually all you care about. No, also, Yu-Gi-Oh cards. You don't, yeah, you don't have bills. You don't have that much to worry about. I had I had my Nokia brick phone bill. Yeah, it was but that that's one. it, right? That was about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, crazy to think that Steph and KD were playing together, um, and we were sort of looking at some of these teams and the the guys who played together, and it's like, did them? I don't think 
I think it's too much of a stretch with Steph and KD to suggest that that's why they ended up together. Maybe that's a bit far, or you don't think so? I don't look. I think that, and people always say this: the, the Team USA, Team USA camps need to not be underrated. Like, you, mm. it, it it cannot be understated what what people are able to achieve with these. So, what comes out of them? And I think I may have touched on one element of this before. Um, but what comes out of it is it is an opportunity for people to expand their game. It really unlocks something that give, brings just a new dimension to what they do. So obviously, I think the easy one to think about is is Melo. Um, he's always who comes to mind. He's kind of the poster boy of this in that the season, you know, following a Team USA stint was always, you know, another sort of, career year for him like a breakout year mm. or he was he was always you know was excellent uh, uh and part of it's the way that he's able to refine his game the way that he's able to stay in shape a few other you know bits and pieces but uh, separately to that sorry excuse me separately to that you really notice as well that this is where the players that don't have a lot to do with each other are fostering a brand new type of relationship like it's very much um they they build new bonds, they make new friendships, and uh, there are instances where there are guys that don't actually win in the NBA, who then have this one thing where they have this experience where they've won a gold medal together, you know, yeah. and then they look at that and when they go back to to whatever experience they're having in the NBA, which is probably, you know, uh, they come from a really high performance environment to perhaps in their view. A, a, a more mediocre operation where, you know, if you're an un underperforming franchise who's never going to win anything, maybe doesn't make the playoffs, or if you do, you don't crack the first round or you're a playing team or whatever. And you, your most recent taste of glory and success was whatever you achieved with Team USA. And then you're associating it with that group of guys that were around you. And my take is I, you can sort of look back over history. I think that this forges forms, you know, interesting bonds and relationships that can result in big threes and result in to players teaming up together. And of course the most famous example being Wade Bosch LeBron. Yeah. Playing of together in 08. Two years later, they team up in Miami. And and that was obviously the start of the big three era, but that was also when Kobe and Dwight and Chris Paul had their um their first taste of playing together. Obviously, Kobe and Dwight ended up making it happen, and it, they were one David Stern veto away from Chris Paul being there too. Yeah, uh, that was another uh, big three that would have happened out of that 08, 08 team. Um, I don't think it's a stretch. You talked about the Steph and KD and Iggy. That's right. Yeah, it was Iggy too. Yeah, from from Philly. So I think you know these guys have good. I think it's great to be able to think, well, where am I going to go this offseason? What am I going to do free agency? Oh, I've got this team, which I could be great. I'll be great with any – if you're a KD, you're going to be good with any team. Mm. Any team's going to be good with you. But then you look at and you remember oh, – I remember when we won gold with – you know, I, know, I did that training – multiple training camps and traveled all around the world together and whatever with Steph and Iggy. And, you know, you start, I think, having the, that positive um, – uh, association with the group of guys, I think it is a is a factor. 
You know the ones where I was saying, oh, maybe it's a stretch because I'm thinking, well, they're six years apart. So maybe it's not like the catalyst like it clearly was with LeBron Wade Bosch, mm-hmm. 08 to 2010, but it could still definitely be a factor, even if it's a decade apart mm. where guys end up linking up. It's like, I still have those memories of when I played with him. Mm. Who knows what goes on behind the scenes? It could contribute to one guy recruiting the other or greasing the wheels in some way. I it don't could even, definitely be a contributing factor. For sure. But yeah. I don't even think we need to stretch it that far and say 10 years. I mean, there's like obviously there's the examples that we just touched on, but you look at out, after 2010, there was the 2012 Olympics and um, – uh, that was with uh, LeBron and K-Love. Yeah. They were on that team. That's another one, they yeah. They went straight to the Cavs. Uh, 2019 uh, was the uh, – they have 2014? There was no one on the 2014 Don't team. Don't think was there was anyone on the 2014 team. 2019 was, you know, Kemba and the, and the Celtics guys. They did the training camp together and then Kemba goes and uh, goes to the Celtics like a month later, basically. Oh, yeah, sorry, well, a year later after the official mini camp. That, that's right, because I sort of thought, oh, USA came after the, Kemba went to the Celtics, but then they did that not, mini camp the year before they were mm. training together. Um, and then we had the Tokyo Olympics in 2021, and uh, that was uh, Booker and KD. <laughs> yeah. And they end up together. And then um, you also had uh, Damian Lillard and Bam, who had a little bit of a connection. And now. Dame's knocking down on, <laughs> knocking down on Miami's door, and again may not be the sole reason. I probably wanted to go there. You know, he probably likes the look of Miami anyway, but it definitely doesn't hurt. And it's interesting how often this theme that we're talking about seems to arise. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. Uh, I th- I think it's not unreasonable to sort of draw a conclusion that you know. The, and I even look at it with like, and I know this is quite niche, and maybe listeners won't understand it. In the same way, well, we did start the show with Steve Novak, so bring, bring, well, this bring is on even, the niche, even niche. <laughs> but like, even looking at things um, like, oh, you know, um, like say state of origin here, you've got you've lost everyone. Yeah, I know. But everyone the, outside for, of- for the Australian audience, you look at these guys that are coming from the different <laughs> rugby league clubs, yeah, and they come together on you know, f- for lack of a better term, this all star sort of game yeah, and they play together and they do, you know, five or six weeks, you know, sometimes longer, uh, multiple camps together. And, you know, a lot of them build relationships that then, you know, it, it does, it is, I know for a fact, a contributing factor, you know, when thinking about, well, you know, who do I gel with? Who got, who got I play with next? What team's going to be a good fit for me? Mm. This is like the breeding ground for those sorts of thoughts. And so people know what you're describing, like the NBA, this is a rugby league thing where you play for your home state. Mm. So to be a bit like if the NBA equivalent, if it was like middle of the season, there's no club games, there's no regular NBA, Mm. but everyone who was actually born and raised in California is playing Mm. for Team California. Yeah. And they're playing for Team New York. Yeah. That is something that actually exists here in this particular, in rugby league. and. And I, I think you can draw a parallel and, and history would show that, you know, we do have sort of now a 15-year history of players uh, doing this sort of thing. But it does beg the question what the sort of this 2023 team, what, what's, what, are, what are the possibilities here? Because it's, it's a unique bunch. It is. And it's interesting when you look at when these guys... Um, contracts end. Mm. Of course, players can always force trades, and, yeah, and often we know. do. Mm. They they love to do that. 
Um, but I still had a look at when various current Team USA guys' contracts end. We've got Banchero, Bridges, Brunson, and Jaron Jackson. Mm. Their contracts all end 2026. Ah, oh, okay. So I know it's a little way off. Mm. But, you know, as we've seen but with the examples we talked about, it often takes, years. takes two or three years for this all to marinate and come together. Mm. So I think, um, so just straight off the bat, when I think about it, you, I, I've got to say that if I'm picturing a team that could spawn off the back of this that I think would be really fun, uh, obviously Brunson, he's great. We saw that with the Knicks and what he was able to do. Uh He's a top-tier caliber player, and I think he fits into FIBA really well. Uh, mm. I think he's a great FIBA-type guard. But obviously, we all know Anthony Edwards is the guy. And, I, you know, Minnesota's probably not his forever his future forever. God, I hope not. Imagine a – because when is Anthony Edwards a free agent? Not for ages. So he's his extension has, hasn't even kicked in yet, his rookie extension. Oh. So if he was to ride it out with Minnesota all the way to the end of his contract, we're talking 2029, unfortunately. Mm. But hopefully my man's is going to demand a trade yeah. at some point because I don't want him to be and what about stranded there forever. JJ, 2026? Jane Jackson is one of the 2026 guys. Look, look, I when I when I think of probably the best team that you could construct off the off the back of this team USA, uh, having Edwards uh, go to New York, and and you bring you know JJ along, uh, and then obviously Josh Hart and Brunson already have that Villanova connection and the now the. Uh, Nick's connection and the Team USA connection. Forgot about Josh Hart. It's easy to forget about him because he hasn't barely been playing in these warm-ups. Which is confusing and, and surprising to me given how pivotal he's been for the for the Knicks. But he yeah, the Knicks-wise, he's been excellent. As soon as he got there, they went on an absolute rampage. Yeah, he, he was the perfect piece. Yeah. And I'm just picturing a team with Brunson at the one, Edwards at the two or three or however you want to do it. Uh, you got Hart at the three or the four, probably the four, and then JJ. Oh, that team... That's a Knicks team that I could get behind. And they've got that Team USA, those roots, and uh, I don't know. I I mean, it's obviously very difficult. It would require a a trade to be forced somewhere in there. Uh, But, you know, if you were thinking about doing a James Harden-esque holdout or a Ben Simmons-type move, and you were thinking, where do I – or even what Damian Lillard's doing right now. He's like, I'm going nowhere but the heat. With my boys. Yeah. That's all he's saying. And that's everything. He he, he put something on social media like a couple of days ago in his story about resharing someone saying, you know, Miami's waiting for you or something like that. If if he could force his way into New York and then, you know, New York also assigning, you know, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. and Josh Hart and Brunson are already there. I mean, what, where does that team, how far does that team, a team like that go? That would be a dangerous team, Surely. especially where Edwards' trajectory is heading, right? Like yeah. we're talking Edwards in, let's say it's it's 2026. That's when uh, Brunson and Triple J can kind of coordinate mm. their contracts both end then. Yeah. And if it's like Edwards, Ant-Man, come on, join us. Mm. That's dangerous. It would. Josh Hart already there as well. It's going to cost a bit. It Maybe would. Maybe not quite like, you know, Saudi Arabia 
money, <laughs> yeah. but it'll still cost a bit. We should just have. Okay, when can Saudis just join the NBA? Can they I mean, can they buy my Pelicans and and actually you know they don't want that team. Help us out. They, they yeah. don't want that team. I, hey, you never know. People are just desperate to get. Oh, they know. <laughs> they know. People are desperate to buy an NBA team of any kind. Um, but yeah, I don't know We've because been... you can currently they changed the rules as recently as June that uh, foreign entities um, like these investment funds, public investment funds um, from Anywhere can buy into a team, but only mm. up to five percent. Immediately, yeah. mm. Qatar, <laughs> they're like, I mean, they bought. Speaking of, they just want to get in, and they don't care how shitty the team is. They bought into the Wizards. Mm-hmm. They bought five percent of the uh, Washington Wizards parent company. What year was that? June this year. Hmm. That's only just happened. So yeah, right. that was kind of the first little move. Well, we've been seeing a lot of things recently because we uh, obviously as recently as what a couple of days ago or you know, a week ago or whatever when um, Giannis said uh, you know, maybe a trade between the NBA and when he was asked if he would ever go there or play there. And it all started with that tweet, of course, where he was like, I look like Mbappe. Oh, we've uh, got to put our graphic up on the screen. I think that, that, all, that got like 800 thousand or 800 million likes something crazy that went so viral that yeah. tweet it started with that and then like you said so because tmz tracked him down right yeah and they said you know would you go and he says of course maybe like a trade between the nba and the saudi arabia league i'm there <laughs> i think he was he talking about when he's older i not? think i think so i i'm sensationalizing it okay <laughs> but i think he was probably talking about but he straight up said after. it he did say it yeah yeah he did say it um and and I think there was rumors that, you know, James Harden, I don't know how, I saw some reports. I have no idea the legitimacy of those <laughs> and I can't give you a source. Yeah. But, you know, his name was floating around there. I don't know if that's just because it was topical, but, you know, Saudis are, I mean, they're going after every sport now. Yeah, they are. They, that's the thing. So people might think, oh, they only care about soccer uh, or football, depending on where you are in the world, what you call it, but they don't. They have already bought into heavily, by the way. Um, there was obviously the golf, which was a big thing that yep. forced a merger with the PGA. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got an F1 race. Mm-hmm. They host major WWE events. Uh, they've got boxing, and they've also got the world's richest horse race. Mm. They are pumping their unlimited money into every sport. And now there's also a bit of a rivalry going on here with Qatar. Like mm. Qatar had the... FIFA World Cup, and it was immediate reports coming out where Saudi Arabia are like, we want the World Cup. Yeah. Um, so Qatar's bought into the NBA. They've bought into the Wizards already, the maximum amount that they're allowed. Mm. Um, it, it feels like an inevitability that the Saudis buy in. The, the only question in my mind is how much mm. and how much are they allowed to because 5% is the current cap. And there's also the factor of... Are they going to buy into NBA teams or is there a world in which they keep putting money into their own league, which is a long way off respectability, decency and quality right now. But I think uh, unlimited money can make literally anything possible. It can make anything possible. I mean, there are a lot of players that probably love their life in the US. Uh, But, you know, even with what Adam Silver said, he said, in part, the reason why we've opened up investment opportunities to private equity firms um, is because we're running out of individuals 
frankly, who are in a position to write those kind of checks. And especially when you're not going to be control the controlling owner of the team. Um, so sovereign wealth funds, obviously, were included in that. Uh, they'll be allowed to, you know, he doesn't expect that they'll be allowed to purchase majority stakes in the foreseeable future. But we've come a long way from not letting them in at all to opening the doors. Yeah. How's that going to evolve over the next couple of years? Money talks. That's the thing. He's saying we do not expect them to be able to buy majority stakes soon. Mm. But can you imagine, like, the way that the, um, where the prices are going, the valuations of NBA teams is heading. Mm. Um, Just look at the Hornets. It's going to get, right. It's going to get more and more. Even MJ wouldn't be able to buy them now. He was able to buy them in 2010. Yeah. But even he doesn't have that kind of cash. It, you need to basically be uh, a CEO of a major, major corporation. Um, so, and a corporation of a particular size. Not even just a CEO, probably an owner. Right, yeah. Oh, sorry, no, an owner, yeah, yeah like yeah. a founder. Yeah. You need yeah. to be Bezos, just about. Yeah, or a um, Obama, you know. Yeah. Steve. Yeah, yeah. I thought you said Obama. No, <laughs> and no, I was no. Like, no, no, Steve Obama. No, no, not hey, Obama. Yeah. Although that would be great. That would be cool. Um, so like Adam Silver said, they're going to run out of people. And what happens when even let's say the next team to sell is valued at 5 billion mm. and the Saudis say, fuck it, here's 10. <laughs> yeah. Well, they could. Which they can easily do. All that oil money. At what point does the NBA kind of, or does someone give in? Like money greases the wheels like nothing else. Yeah. I, and I think... You know, they wouldn't be able to, you know, I don't know. Well, if you think about it, who would you, who would your, who would your Saudi starting five be in the NBA? <laughs> like players that have expressed interest or, you know, could, you know, you could conceivably imagine, you know, you would be able to rope in. Are we talking about guys actually going over to Saudi Arabia or if Saudis buy into the NBA or just either way? Maybe. Either. Let's start with probably what a league over there would look like. Well, in terms of the guys who've straight up tweeted that they would do it, and I know that it's like kind of joking, but also... I don't know. I, I think, think it's... Well, I think it, that's why I said... All jokes come from a place of yeah, truth. I think it's like... Um, yeah. I mean, that's why I said kind of, because mm. if you actually threw um, 500 million dollars or something insane for one season at LeBron, you're telling me he wouldn't? Um, so yeah, so the guys who tweeted about it, Giannis, like you said, mm -hmm. LeBron had the Forrest Gump tweet yep. of him like actually running straight over to Saudi Arabia. Yeah. So um, it's like the, um, he's like the Ronaldo of the NBA. You, you're grabbing that aging you know, right. number one guy. It's like the biggest name you can get with no, and you don't care that he's 38. Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely the Ronaldo. Um, Draymond tweeted about it as well. He, he oh, said they right. got basketball leagues over there too, right? Or yeah. some words to that effect. Yeah. So I'm thinking Giannis, LeBron, Draymond. And then I was like, who else can we round out a starting five? And Harden. I don't even care that much about Harden. Harden. positions. Yes. Because like, what's he going to do? I mean, he's actually running out of options. He should cons seriously consider it. And I'm not even exaggerating when I say that now, given this, the, the career position he's put himself in. Yeah. As we've talked about on this podcast. Yeah. Um, if he can get the bag... He can score to his heart's content. You probably could even send like a Dwight over there at some point if you wanted or yeah. or maybe you've got a Kyrie, you know, who's 
you know, close to wearing out his NBA welcome anyway. Right, just like Harden is. I feel like he'd have some weird, uh, I don't know, some weird moral or ethical issue with going over to the league. But also he's so um, contradictory in the statements that he makes. You know, he'll say one thing and completely contradict it the next day that I, I wouldn't put it past him to somehow spin it so that this is actually a morally good thing that he's doing. I'm going over there to actually free Saudi Arabia. Mm. So we've got Giannis, LeBron, Harden, Kyrie, Draymond. What do the salaries look like? It's a bit of a squad. Because <laughs> they saw Mbappe's potential salary at what? What was that? Was Supposedly. 800, 900. It was meant to be about 700 US for one season when you include all the uh, bonuses and endorsements and everything. So what, what then would... So that was obviously enough to raise the eyebrows. Yeah. What, actually, what's the methodology if you were to look at if NBA stars got sort of Saudi salary boosts, call it, uh, at the same proportion as sort of the, the you know big soccer stars? Yeah. What What is that? Like, what's that growth look like? Yeah. Well, How does I, it compare? I had a look at that and I went through the basically the 10 biggest names I could find yeah. in soccer who had done it. Mm-hmm. So we're talking... Ronaldo, Neymar, these kinds of guys. Sure. They're the only two soccer players I know. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm following. Yeah. Um, and so, oh, so you don't know Messi, great. I know Messi. I know Messi. <laughs> yeah. Um, so those guys, I worked out the, the 10 biggest names I could find who'd gone mm-hmm. over to Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. Their increase on average was a little over 4x. Four, to be precise, 4.8. Two five times okay. as much as they the money that they were on okay. previously. Oh. So if we applied that, oh, this to, is going to be crazy to the guys, the NBA guys we're talking about. If Giannis yeah. gets that same proportional boost, mm-hmm. he's going from earning on average forty five million a year to earning one hundred and ninety four million a year. Oh. And so over five year deal, that's nine seventy mil. Le- Just, LeBron's is about to be wild. I know it. Well, LeBron earns about 49 a year on average. Yeah. Under his current two-year deal. Oh, God. So his per-season thing, uh, salary would be 210, which means over five years. Over, what's that, a bill? One, about 1.1 billion. Oh, my God. He'd have to play till he's 43. He'd do it. He'd do it, though. You t- Can Bronny go to Saudi Arabia? New there's plan- no way. There's actually a new plan. I hope Bronny's well, by the way. I think he is. I think he is. I, I read that um, they, they, the medical advice was that they didn't see this as being a, a long-term yeah, good. thing. And that good, good. Uh, his school, uh, like who he was playing for as well, was saying that it's not a, um, it's not a like ongoing concern or something. Okay. So health, first and foremost. Yes. Then get that bag. <laughs> then Saudi Arabia. <laughs> a bill. What could, uh, like that's unfathomable yeah. what you yeah. can do with money like that. So you've got... Giannis on a 970 mil deal, LeBron 1.1 bill, we've got Harden on proportionately 730 for a five-year, Draymond's 532 mil on a five-year, and Kyrie 850. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Imagine the liquidity going around in that league. Which one of those guys is saying no? I think Kyrie says no. I think Harden... I honestly think Harden says yes. I think Giannis says no because he loves America so much. God bless America. God bless the United States of America <laughs> every time he does something new. So yeah. I, I, I think I think that 
if I'm LeBron, yeah, you have problems if you're turning down a billion dollars. You have problems. <laughs> like there's yeah. almost no reason for you to say no at this point in your career. You've done everything there is to do, and clearly there aren't the um, you know, ethical, moral objections there. Judging by his no his tweet, he doesn't care. His first thought was sign me up. He he doesn't care about any um China related yeah, ethical he, objections in the past. Him so, and, so why would he care about Saudi yeah, Arabia? Rich Paul, Maverick Carter, they're actually some of those ones. Oh yeah, yes, sir. Bring the family. Bring the families of family. Yeah. Bring all my friends. That's, I would, and think about the eyeballs. Think about how many people just want to see what he would be capable of doing in a league like that. Yeah. You know that video where um, LeBron's playing against kids, like actual actual <laughs> yeah. little kids? Yeah. Um, and people add all sorts of, they meme it in all different ways. Like, bro, you know, this video of LeBron playing in the China league is crazy. But it's just him playing as 10-year-olds. But I feel like it's oh, going to look It's gonna look like that. Yeah. They say that um, there, were, there were rumors that LeBron would be playing in the... Who said... Paul Pierce. That's right. Paul Pierce said that he thinks LeBron's going to play in the 2024 Olympics. For the, Paul Pierce. No, Paul Pierce thinks LeBron. Said that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The king of the cult for, take. For the US. So Does that mean know. confirmed not happening because Paul Pierce said it? I don't know. Pro- There's a good chance that that doesn't happen. <laughs> Paul- I don't know if you saw Paul Pierce when he was on that live stream with KG for the NBA Finals. Oh, yeah. It was a mess. Well, if if we have a few uh, snip, like a few seconds to roll, we should roll it. They got a website that you can hire girlfriends for the day. Stop, man. And so I got a girlfriend. You can hire girlfriends for the day. Stop, man. I went on the website and I hired girlfriends for the day. It's not his first messy live stream. No. <laughs> There's been we'll, messier ones. We'll put that up too. Yeah. Um, Jordan's going to have fun with that footage. But um, yeah, I think, you know, maybe maybe going out into the sunset is Team USA and then Saudi and then, you know, relax with a bill banked. Yeah. Wow. Um, There'll be a way to pay no income tax on that. Yeah. Somehow. There are some sort of loose ends to tie up here, just little details worth mentioning. The first is that in soccer, you can just pay a transfer fee and poach a guy. You just mm. throw enough money at a guy like they've just done with Neymar and he's coming. Mm-hmm. You've just got to pay his team enough money in a fee. In the NBA, in the you can't poach NBA guys in the – it doesn't work like that. <laughs> guy, the lines have been blurred with trade demands, of course, so it's not always as black and white as like the contract has to come to an end. Mm. The other thing is um, salary uh, tax, luxury tax and all of that. But I think that is not an issue. I think for them, I wonder if the they, money is so – it's a bottomless pit of it, cash. It's bottomless, which begs the question, what if – which NBA team says no to having luxury tax paid for them too? For luxury tax, that issue just kind of goes away. Yeah. Because as rich as NBA teams are, it still makes our eyes water when they're paying like 200 mil in tax alone mm. and then more or less that again in actual salary. But could you – there's an argument that you could say that, well, like the Saudi league could potentially not only pay the, their own luxury tax at whatever exorbitant rate, they could just rack up the biggest bill of all time. But if they then said, hey, to make it fair, you guys can go over the salary cap, the soft cap as much as you want and we'll pay you the luxury tax too. Yeah. This is this is the thing, money greasing the wheels. Yeah. It's amazing how just possibilities open up yeah. with 
enough money. I, and that's why I think that these things of, yeah, you can't just necessarily poach a player with a one-off transfer fee like in soccer. I mm. just think these are, the, these are little speed bumps. I they, they're so. not brick walls mm. that they can't get through with enough money. But mm. um, who knows? It would be interesting to see, but I also don't want them to completely poach and ruin the NBA. Yeah. It kind of... Or do you just want to see the... NBA will I don't know. burn. I, I, well, <laughs> we, I mean, we just cooked up a great big three for the New York Knicks, which seems obsolete in a world which everyone's going to wherever at whatever price. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Maybe it does sort of ruin the integrity of what's been built. It's it's kind of a tough one. I don't really know. I am more in favor of them perhaps retiring a little bit earlier from the NBA and going across and doing a stint in their league. I I I'd like that. If it's when they're separate. If it's when they're like 38, then who cares? As soon, mm. But as soon as they start taking guys out of the NBA in their prime, I mean, yeah, that is when it gets hectic. And what will happen is once you sort of open, yeah, once God. you start, you, you know, it'll only get worse from there. Like the second that a guy goes at 38, then the age will just start creeping down and down and down, and they'll get them earlier and earlier and earlier. And yeah, part of me would prefer them to just buy an NBA team and just see what happens. Yes. Yes. Can you imagine if the new yeah. Vegas team Relegate. is like a a Saudi Vegas team? Yeah, LeBron can still be like minority owner or something. Oh gosh, that's what's happening. LeBron's going to Saudi Arabia playing a year. Then it's one of these ones. We're actually buying the Vegas team expansion team. <laughs> that's pretty good. That's a pretty good grand plan. I can't. Not lie. a bad plan. Yeah. Well, it's definitely something that we can sort of you know. Everyone's going to have an opinion on. I think we should mock some stuff up and put it up on BF for everyone. Some Saudi teams? I think some Saudi teams. Maybe so if, we do a jersey with the whole kit and caboodle. Yeah. It'll yeah. look cool. People <laughs> get around it and we'll just chuck up a big salary on the graphic for yeah, someone. A little bit more appealing than Taiwan, perhaps, which yeah. is... Oh, know, Dwight, get the, yeah. get the hell over to Saudi. I don't know what... Yeah, surely they'd pay for him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll start working on that Saudi content. Yeah try and be ahead of the curve for the new wave of, of sports and basketball and everything um, let us know what you think if you think the Saudis are a legit threat if you would rather see them buy an NBA team or you know send NBA guys over there which would you rather see what are you most interested in let us know we'll catch you guys again next week 